It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seat Studios, get up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase when you use the promo code OVERTIME after you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason, and it's time for the return of X and O Quick Hits with the man who decided to take a little bit of time off because he was tired. He needed to decompress, and who could blame him? A lot of work goes into what he does, and he needed a break, and so he's back from his break, and I'm glad that he is. Joe Blewett, the host of TOJ Film Room over on our great YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. Joe, it's been a while. How you been, buddy? Uh, I think you know the answer to that question. Um <laughs> No, it's uh, yeah. There's I had some stuff going on um in the in the personal life, and then you pair that with uh really really bad Jets play, which is gonna happen. It happened for multiple reasons, obviously, um, and then the hot takes that come with that because of Twitter and what Jets fans are, um, which really every fan base really is. But I, I it was just hard to uh be able to be really present on social media and all that stuff. So I took a little bit of time off, but I just, I just uh, p- paid a price for it. It's like a three hour podcast recapping two games instead of one. So I know I missed well, we missed one or two extra uh, X and O's quick hits, but uh, I'm back now. And especially after this game, you know, hopefully uh, Donald's back. I don't think he's gonna be back for this game, but you know, the Cowboys game and then you have Q coming back and you have Mosley Opie coming back and Herndon. And then, you know, you're hoping the Jets can finish the, the, the season with six, seven, you know, wins, hopefully seven, because like I've always been saying, I have $500 on that, which I did not expect my quarterback to have mono and all these injuries. But um, if they can close the season out, give us some good film to watch, it's it's, it's going to be brighter than it is right now. It's just, it's it's really hard with what's going on with the team and overall with the roster and suspensions and injuries right now. So we can only hope it's going to get better, but at least some of the units have played well. And that's what you're going to talk about today. You're going to grade the units and grade the players in those units because you've watched the film from all these games now. Bless your heart for that. And you can make these judgments. So let's start with the quarterback. It's kind of murky because of the fact that Sam Darnold only played one game and he was sick. Then Simeon played for a half, and then there was a game and a half of Luke Falk. But what did you see from these quarterbacks? Tell me about Darnold. Tell me a little bit about Simeon. And then tell me if you see any promise in Luke Falk. I'm not saying that he's going to be a great quarterback. But if you saw anything that might indicate to you that he could potentially develop into perhaps a backup at some point. Yeah, so Darnold the first game, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if we, did we actually do it? Actually, the quick hits of that? I don't remember, but... He he was definitely and, and it's funny too because people after he went and I'm not gonna ma- I'm gonna make up his stats but it's somewhere in the general you know vicinity of what it what it was but it was like 25 for for 32 one touchdown 
uh, no interceptions. And people are like, oh, do we have to draft the quarterback next year? And then you watch the Bills and, and what they did last year to people where they're, like the, they're, they're easily a top five defense in the league. And then you watch what they did to, to the, uh, the Patriots this week and Tom Brady. Tom Brady looked um, terrible against the Bills because the Bills defense is really, really good. So did Donald struggle against the Bills? Yes, but so does every other quarterback. And, you know, there was a few missed throws. He missed Anderson on the over route. I remember early, uh, at some point in the game. Uh, he underthrew Anderson big time uh, when he could have stepped into a throw, which re- resulted in, in an incompletion. Um, he overthrew him another time. So he was definitely he was missing some throws. And there was also, I remember, two about two or three plays where um, it was a levels-type concept over the middle where he threw the short instead of throwing um, – you know, the deeper route where he could have hit, you know, for, for 15 yards, 20 yards instead of five yards. And, and it just looked off because it's not a qu- type of quarterback Donald is because there's a multiple times where even just in the preseason, you know, late last year where we saw Donald, you know, pump fake the short read and like linebackers react up to it and then throw the deeper route where this, where sometimes in the Bills game, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't even pumping it or anything like that. He even needed to do that for the, for the second guy to be open in that levels concept. Um, he's through the, the, it's the first guy he saw open and wasn't really, you know, reading, um, the defense like he, he did last year. So he looked off and, you know, having mono kind of explains that. So, um, I'm not sure like how, how you grade him poorly for that game when he wasn't terrible. He wasn't great, but he also played one of the best defense in the NFL while probably uh, feeling like crap. You know, if you're having cold sweats the night before and you can't sleep, I'm sure you're not feeling good that game day playing against an NFL defense, one of the best ones in the, in the league. Um, and then you go to Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon looked terrible um, in the Browns game. He just looked he looked uneasy. He wasn't making correct reads. His throws were completely off, so he was not as I was expecting him to be for – um, what he was paid and not, not necessarily what he was paid, I guess, but what he was in Denver where he was a starter for two years and, you know, heard everything, winning record, third, uh, 13 and 11, all this stuff. And he came out and didn't impress at all. And then Falk, I think the, the first game he was, well, like 15 for 15 for 20 for like 198 yards. I have actually right here. Um, you know, it was a lot of checkdowns and things like that. He missed a few, um, throws, but he didn't look terrible. But in this last game, uh, he was awful. I just did the show on it literally where he he missed four or five throws he could have hit. He was missing reads, um, plenty of things. I was showing pre-snap what he should have been seeing um, just based on alignment from the Patriots where they were running a lot of cover one. There would be plays that were designed to beat man coverage. He wouldn't read the play to either side that was designed to beat it. Um, and... Uh, the ball wouldn't be completed and then people would question why he didn't throw not not why he didn't throw the ball but there was a play specifically that I remember very early in the first uh I think it was the first quarter or first half and it was a three by one set and it was man coverage you have a design pick from the number two with the number three going out to the flat um if it was man coverage it would have been a perfect uh, throw to hit the number three receiver they were showing man coverage he never he never checks that side he never even looks that side with plenty of time in the pocket and decides to throw a, a, a slot fade to Barrios um, deep on the right side of the field where you had Jameson Crowder running wide open uh, for a first down um, from that flat route, like I said, with that with that pick from number two. There's also another time where they were showing blitz um, where there was only two guys who can be in man coverage on the receiver or sorry, on the uh, tight end and on the running back. He doesn't check that side of the field and the blitz comes. There's like six versus five. So there's quick pressure. And the linebacker who's close takes the running back, meaning that the tight end was taken by a safety that was 20 yards down the field um, and, and Ryan Griffin being that tight end. Uh, if he was to read that, um, see that hot read, 
that the safety was picking picking up the tight end, it would have been a five, six, ten yard completion easily. And if Ryan Griffin could have broke a tackle, it would have been a huge gain. But Falk never you know read it because he panics in the pocket. He can't read the field. Um, he doesn't know how to read pre to post snap. He doesn't even know how to read uh, pre snap. So um, he's been really, really bad. Uh, now, is there a chance? I'm never going to say there's not a chance. He's a really young guy who came up the practice squad. Could he be a number two, number three? Maybe. Um, what I've seen so far, would I say that's that's a good shot? No, because this this Patriots game he looked terrible. Um, and I'm hoping we don't really ever have to talk about him playing a game for the Jets. Hopefully, again ever after this next week. Um, so overall. I don't know how you give the Jets. I guess I don't know. You give I'll give them all individual grades. I give you give Donald a, a, a C plus. He didn't look terrible, but he didn't look great. But he's also sick. You give you know Simeon an F. Uh, he looked terrible when he was in, and you give Falk a, a, a D. Uh, he looked okay in the first game, and the second game he looked awful. But he's also you have to kind of adjust your expectations with what he is, and he's been bad. But he's also like I said, a practice squad guy. So maybe you'll give him a, a C minus or a D plus, but it's not good enough to be a backup. So. I guess, uh, grading all individually, which I won't do for the rest of the groups, but that was kind of a unique circumstance. Let's move on to the running backs. I think this may be the one area where somebody could earn an A. And this is this is one of the funny things. It's, it's one of the things I've dispelled, and I, I'm sure you've heard of it, Scott. People are saying, oh, well, you know, you have a young quarterback. Why not flex, you know, Le'Veon Bell either, you know, put him out as a receiver and put him into the backfield, um, you know, flex him in there to show coverage, or why don't you use Ty Montgomery um, – in the uh, as a wide receiver, and I think they should be using Ty Montgomery more than they are. I definitely do. Um, but there's one play I, I literally I, I put it up where they have Le'Veon Bell in the backfield, they flex him out to show man coverage, and in that same play you have Ty Montgomery in the slot running a jerk route. I'm like, this is one play. And I showed multiple examples of it where people are saying, oh well, Gase is never doing these things, and in one play he's doing the same thing. I showed it multiple times over and over, or not over and over and over again, but uh, multiple times in the in the Patriots game. So he's doing that those things. It's just kind of hard for the quarterback to. It is really, and I'm not, I'm not expelling Gase of, of all criticism because he does, he does deserve a, a few criticisms on a few play, uh, shows I, or on a few plays I showed, you know, on my show I just recorded, um, and also some things like not helping Beecham against Garrett. There's definitely some things that he's, he's not doing, or you know, throwing bubble screens, you know, with with two wide receivers to block for three or four guys in the secondary. Like, there's been some problems, but it's not as bad as people think it is. But he's doing those things. Um, for these guys, and I'm kind of going in a direction. I don't know where I'll go, so I'll turn around and go back where I'm supposed to. Um, you have Le'Veon Bell, who's averaging like last game, he averaged like 1.8 yards per carry. Um, if you look at his stats, and you're and you're, well, I like to refer to him now as a stat humper. Um, you look at his yards and whatever it is, you know, 40 carries for you know 180 yards. Oh my God, he's averaging three yards per carry. It's because the offensive line, the run blocking, is so bad. But I, I think if you look at Le'Veon Bell individually and what he's doing. Uh, I don't think he was as good in the Patriots game as he was in the first two games, but you look at what he's been doing. Um, you cannot argue that with a better offensive line, you know, what he could be doing right now. Like he's, he's been spinning guys, dropping his hips, making good cuts, jump cuts, stiff arming guys, trucking guys over, um, making catches. He's, he's been doing very, very, very well. Um, and then there's another play, you know, Tom Montgomery last, last week where he's, like I said, on that jerk route, he beats a linebacker. He's wide open. He's breaking, he's breaking outside when the linebacker's inside. And Falk doesn't hit him. He, he throws the ball way too short um, and inside. And Tom Montgomery could have had a big gain, and he's not hit. So um, I, I think you give the group an A minus. Um, to be honest, now it, it, that's not that's not uh, related to how they've been u- being used. Because like I said, I would see more Tom Montgomery. I think he's been used correctly. Um, there's people who said always oh, never used as a receiver when he has been, but um, that's not really. Um, that's not really the running back's fault, but I think overall, I'll give him an, I'll give him an A, an A minus. I'm not going to give anything an A or A plus. I don't think. 
have a feeling we're not going to get close to that grade again as we progress to the other positions. So that's going to be our high point, I assume. Let's talk wide receivers. They haven't been great. They've done mm-hmm. a little bit here and there. Jamison Crowder, specifically in the first game, was able to make a bunch of catches. What did you see when you looked at the film for them, and what grade would you give? The receivers are who they are, who I thought they were. It's it's hard, like I said, with the quarterback and what he's able to do, and and honestly, the limitations with with Gase's offense, um, it's hard for them to really step up and have a lot of yards. And it's funny, like I'll hear in the same sentence, and this is why I've been you know kind of MIA, where you know, oh well, uh, well one with the running back thing I talked about before, flexing guys out, showing man coverage, where he's been doing that, you know, Adam Gase in his offense. But then I'll hear, oh well, the Jets need to be more creative and get the ball out of Falk's hand quickly, but they need to also take more deep shots. It's like what, like how? how do you say that in the same sentence? Like, I don't, I don't even get it. So um, the receivers are not put in the most ideal situation. There was a few plays um, in the last few games where Rob Anderson got, there's, there's a couple times where Rob Anderson got open, you know, last game where he wasn't hit. Um, also, I, I thought Barrios for his like first real snaps in NFL game, I, I thought he had a few nice plays. There's another play minus the two catches that he had where he got open on a stop or a curl over the middle. I forget what it was where he wasn't hit and Crowder has been playing well. Um, the first game, obviously he, uh, he played very, very well. He had like 47 catches for 12 yards or whatever it was, which is kind of, it's just kind of what the bills defense was giving the jets. And they, they played it really, really well, to be honest, the bills are a super impressive defense. I think they're the best defense in the, in the NFL, regardless of stats or anything like that. They're just, they're super well coached and a really good unit. Um, but Crowder last week got open multiple times. Uh, he got open on a, on a deep, uh, corner out where he was not hit by by Falk because Falk didn't put it in the correct location plus um, that he had to step up because Shell uh, got beat Crowder one didn't get the ball where it needed to be there's also play early in the game which I believe was technically this third play of the game but this, the, the second offensive play where uh, the ball was thrown short he beat um, another corner or another corner on a corner route and instead of just you know keeping his route flat which it most likely would have been a pass deflection. He comes back two, three yards, attacks the ball extension um, and catches it and, and, you know, tries to turn up, but he gets pushed out of bounds. So um, they are all what they, I thought they are, to be completely honest. I'm a little bit disappointed with Bellamy. I thought Bellamy, you know, a depth guy who's been, you know, he's had seasons with four or 500 yards, whatever it was, that he could be a decent depth piece. But um, he had a big drop in the in the Browns game. And he hasn't been used too much, and they clearly haven't been impressed with him. So he gets he, he kind of is a little bit negative to the grade, but – uh, I don't know if you're going for kind of talent and what the group is overall or how the individual guys have been performing as they're expected to, but I'll give them a, a B minus. I don't think they're great, but I, I think they've also been um, overshadowed and kind of overlooked based on really poor quarterback play at this point. Sounds about right to me. I think they're probably in that average to slightly above average range. Mm-hmm. Those two guys we're talking about, Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder, can't really do much to grade Quincy and Newman because of the nature of the injury and how quickly it happened. But as we move along to the rest of the offense, let's go from wide receiver to tight end. There have been some moments where Griffin made some catches in the passing game, not a lot, but here and there. Beyond that, the blocking seemed kind of suspect, and we haven't seen a lot of Trevon Wesco. What do you grade the tight ends? Yeah, so for the tight ends, um, it's it's fun. This is another funny one too. This like this this is why I'm not around. But uh, 
people are like, oh, Griffin's just absolutely terrible. Like the Jets should just keep running 10 personnel, which is, you know, one running back, no tight ends. The second number is always the tight ends um, because Griffin just absolutely, he's, he's horrible. And, and, you know, listen, he's not a good pass blocker. He definitely has gotten beaten um, as a pass blocker, even as a run blocker. You don't want him as your blocker, which is kind of confusing about why they don't not bring Wesco in more. Um, I don't know if Wesco hasn't impressed them, but he looked like he's relatively clean uh, technically when he's coming um, out of, out of West Virginia, but, that's a little bit confusing of a, of a coaching move. Um, but Griffin definitely gets a negative grade for his, his, his blocking aspect of his game. But um, then you also look at him as a receiver and people are you know, saying how much of a bum he is, but there's a reason that when he was in the, over the Texans, he, there's seasons that he had three, 400 yards, which is not like, it's not like crazy type of seasons, but it's like, you know, the Austin Safarian Jenkins type seasons that the Jets had a couple of years ago when people were so giddy about him. If he had a good, t- a good quarterback, I, he's, he, I think he's a decent backup as a, as, in terms of receiving, not as a, as a run blocker like, or a pass blocker, but as a backup receiving tight end to uh, Herndon, I don't think he's a bad option. So he's playing like a backup. That's kind of what he's expected to be. So, um, and then you have you have uh, Wesco who hasn't really played um, at all, so you're kind of really just grading Griffin. So uh, he's been a decent in the pass game. He's just not getting the ball because, like I said, the, the quarterback um, bad in the run game. So in the, in the pass game, so I'll give him a C. Um, that's really, I guess, all you could give maybe C minus because of how how poor some run plays have been. But um, that's all. I'll float around a C or a C minus, I guess. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. So, Joe, I'm sure you're aware, and this probably goes along with the frustration that you've been talking about, that ESPN has these next-gen stats. And these Uh next-gen stats say that the Jets' offensive line, contrary to popular belief, has actually been quite good the first few games. I'm guessing that you disagree. No, I I agree with them. Uh, That's it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, man. It's uh, the offensive line has been super bad, and I think I res- I responded to like Samini that, and obviously he's not going to respond back to me. Um, usually people don't, but it's like, oh, well, they have really good pass blocking grades, and it's based on two and a half seconds of time for the quarterback. I'm like, oh, but you don't, and, and, and just that stat based on two and a half seconds, or, or not, not two and a half seconds for the quarterback, two and a half seconds on a block, but you're not factoring in, you know, if the block is passed off or if it's a stunt or not picking up a stunt or completely not blocking a guy. Like, there's so many different factors in just in two and a half seconds into a block because what if you were, what if you sustained a block? Let's say, let's say, you know, you have a, you have a, a, a stunt, right? And you have the penetrator and you hold him for two and a half seconds, but you were supposed to pass him off to the next guy and then grab the looper. Well, you held your block for two and a half seconds. That's great. But you were really supposed to pick up the looper and, and you let up a, a free hit to the quarterback. So is that a positive grade because he held the, the block for two and a half seconds. Like that's such a, that's such a crappy stat, the two and a half second thing. And just like I said, like the most basic example, if, if, you know, Donald last year, Vikings game, he hits Sean peak on a, on a slant, hits him in the chest. Um, good pass, good, good read of the defense, but the ball pops up in the air and it's an interception. So it's a bad play by Donald. Like how does that affect stats? So stats are, they're really, they're, it's, it's all, they're crap. You, You know how I feel about stats without context. They're, they're really bad. Um, for for multiple different reasons, just like uh, like CJ Mosley, how good was CJ Mosley that first game in coverage, Scott? I, I don't know if we remember if we talked about that, but he was pretty damn good. I don't remember who told ever about that, but he for for certain things like okay, a drive concept. Do 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 people know responsibilities of a linebacker where you know drive concept? You know you you have the you have the short. Um, drag route from the from the let's say the, the the two and then the dig route from the three you know cj mosley wouldn't stick on the the drag and said he would take the dig um instead of laying up a 15 yard completion he would he would give up the drag and 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 you know uh kind of go to i guess go for the tackle not go for i don't know not kind of go for the tackle he'd go for the tackle take the uh, take the dig go for the tackle and he would let up three yards instead of 15 yards. So is that a bad play by Mosley because they left a completion or is it a positive play? Because instead of letting them get 15 yards because they attacked the defense like they were supposed to, he didn't let up 15, he let up three. So like, you know how I feel about stats. Uh, they've been terrible. Um, Shell is awful. He is so bad. Uh, I, I was just talking about him and I, I was hoping with Pollock he'd be able to improve, but his technique, his sets, the way, the way he, he uses his hands, the way he uses his hips, um, the just knowing how to set people, knowing when to open his hips, when to not, when to foot fo- uh, foot fire, when to root his feet. Um, he's beyond bad at this point. He needs to be replaced. Uh, I, I think a guy in Doga who's relatively clean technically, um, we have to see how he obviously comes from USC and playing in the NFL, but I think he needs a shot. I think a body who knows where to be is better than Shaw at this point. Um, Beecham is – he's – I always said it. Beecham is a bad run blocker, not because of technique, because he cannot get any movement. He cannot move people. He can't pin him inside. He's not strong enough. And then you, when you go to pass rushers who are good, um, who know how to use length, he doesn't have the length. When, when pass rushers are strong and know how to use their strength, even if you have good technique, you can't. You, you're not going to be able to block them. There's times where he would try to block Miles Garrett, and he'd get completely blown backwards and look. I was almost playing the play and fast forward because of of how weak he is compared to guys like Miles Garrett. So you have a guy who isn't. Isn't he's not really he's not super athletic. He doesn't have long arms. He doesn't have good strength, um, and he's been more uh, inconsistent with his technique re- as of as of recent. As of, he's a bad left tackle right now. He's not even decent. I, I wouldn't I would not call him decent. I'm definitely calling him at least below average. Shell terrible. Uh, Khalil, 
I don't know if it was a retirement and, and him not knowing the offense and knowing the schemes, but he's looked just not the same player that I reviewed on film when we talked about. I thought he could be around average, maybe a little bit above average, just based on what I saw from just 2018 from him, but he's not looked like the same player. He's been really bad, um, both technically and knowing, and, and honestly with his smarts, it just looks like he's just so confused. Um, and I, I guess that's coming from a guy who, you know, you could call a guy really smart, but when you're playing the same system kind of for 12, 13 years, you know, are you how how smart are you? I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to judge, but he hasn't looked good. Clutchio Samuel has been more inconsistent than than I've than I've expected. But I don't think him having a really bad left tackle and a really bad center around him is helping him at all. And then Beach uh, and then Winters is what we talked about. He's he has a really good play and a really bad play. Um, but there was a play last game where people were blaming him when. It's kind of the situation I was talking about before with those grades where he passed a penetrator, which was Michael Bennett, to um, Shell, where he actually stayed square. He, he, he rooted his feet. It looked good. Um, his hand, hands got him a little, a little bit better, but he got a shot into Michael Bennett's chest, threw him backwards. Uh, Shell should have picked him up. Shell didn't pick him up, and then Beecham was looking for the looper. Um, when he's looking for the looper, he noticed that, that Michael Bennett was not picked up, and then he jumped back on Bennett. It looked like he gave up a sack, but really it was, it was Shell who didn't pick up um, the penetrator like he was supposed to when the looper was showing that he was looping. Like it's, it's pretty obvious things that shell is not picking up right now. He's just not a smart player. He's not a technically refined player. So um, they've all been bad. Um, I think, I think that KO and, and winters deserve a little bit of, of slack, not a ton. Uh, I'm going to give them, I'll give them a D minus, not, not an F because I think KO and, and, and winters are getting a little bit too much heat, but it, it's still been very, very bad, especially what, for what we expected like last year, was basically as bad as it can get. You know, pass walking was okay at times, but we expected with, you know, another year between, you know, uh, Winters and Shell, be a little bit better communication between them, a little bit better feel for each other. We thought with a better center coming in, which, you know, watching 2018, I thought, you know, that it would be much better. Uh, watching 2018, I thought it would be a much better situation than what the Jets had in 2018. Hasn't been the case. Uh, and KO is a... You know, an upgrade over Carpenter, but it just it hasn't showed up a lot because of how bad the entire offensive line is, and he's still been a, a, a disappointment at this point. So uh, I'll give it a D minus. So it it's, it could be worse, but it's it's pretty close to being an F in the worst group of the in the league right now. Joe, I'm guessing you're going to give the other side of the line, the defensive line, a higher grade, but they've been pretty disappointing too, from where I sit. What have you thought going through the film? Uh, yeah, Henry Anderson's been disappointing. Um, they're just not getting home on a lot of stunts. Uh, I don't know if it's really because of them or because of the scheme. Like I said, I've been a little bit tapped out, to be completely honest, in terms of like, okay, I'm going to watch every single guy's technique, but um, they've been disappointing. Henry Anderson got signed for a pretty you know, decent-sized contract. He hasn't done anything really at all. Um, one big problem with that, I talked about it on Twitter. I just talked about it on my show. Um, the Jets are deploying a lot of, of bear fronts, which is a zero tech and three and three or two three techs. And a lot of teams are, you know, the Jets haven't got gashed in the run game, but when they do, it's from, it's from those bear fronts. And what the bear front is, like I said, is, is a zero and two threes. And a lot of teams are pinning and pulling um, and, and using sweeps to down block on those guys and, and put a lot of that, um, hold a lot of those guys inside. And then they get pullers um, to the second level where you're putting a lot of emphasis on your linebackers. So they're, they're taking away the effectiveness of your defensive line because of those bare fronts, which I think they, they should adjust and start going to more four-man fronts and you know uh, you know widening out guys instead of Henry Anderson or Leo being three-techs 
on a lot of these runs, they should be, you know, five techs or, you know, if it's like an under or an over or whatever, you have them as a four and then you, you flex a, a linebacker out to a five or whatever. But um, what I'm getting to is they're putting a lot of emphasis on the linebackers. So you look at the linebacking core going into the season or going to the preseason and we're missing four out of four starters right now. You don't have Avery Williamson. You don't have Mosley. You don't have Copeland. Um, He's not a fantastic player, but he's better than Basham and Kafusi and all these guys. And you don't have Jenkins, who, like I said, he's not a superstar, but he's a solid, he's a solid strong side linebacker. Like he's good in the run game. He offers you more pass rush than anybody on the team right now, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, so the uh, the defensive line in, in general has been bad, and uh, in the running of those bare fronts and in the pass rush. Uh, Leonard Williams has been getting double teamed a lot, but at a certain point, and I know we've been on the train that he's been a little bit. Um, he has a little bit too much criticism, Scott, but at a certain point you have to produce. Listen, I, I know he has an ungodly number of pressures and quarterback hits to um, to sacks, but this year he's not getting those pressures. He's not getting those hits that I see. Um, and at a certain point you, you can't, you, you have, you have to produce. You, you can't just keep saying that for the next five, six, seven years that you got a lot of hits and a lot of pressures and not, and not turn them into sacks. So um, he's been a he's been a disappointment uh, for sure this year. Leonard Williams he's done, he's done okay in the run game, but in the past game he hasn't done much of anything. Steve McClendon has been solid. He he is Steve McClendon is what it is. Uh, he's he's a he's a run a stuffing uh, two gapping type guy in the middle, and he's been doing that. But a lot of runs are going to the outside when they do gash him. So uh, McClendon gets a plus grade because he's he's been consistent. Uh, Leonard Williams has been a disappointment. Henry Anderson has been a disappointment. Um, and, and honestly, there's been a, and, and with that, there's been a lack of pass rush as well with, with Brady, with Baker at sometimes. I know he got pressured at, at times, but that's because of blitzes, not really because of like how teams are running against the Jets and they bring three or four guys. But I'll give them, uh, I'll give them a, I guess a C minus because they've been okay in the run game. Uh, but the pass rush isn't there. C minus, D plus that, that area. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's move on to the linebacking core. Obviously, there's the outside linebackers and the inside linebackers, and they have different responsibilities. But as you said, Jordan Jenkins has been missing for part of the time, though Brandon Copeland and C.J. Mosley has missed two of the games. So you're going to have to grade on the curve a little bit, I guess, Joe. What have you thought watching the linebacking course so far this season? Yeah, you have to grade. It's not. It's not like it's not an A plus group. You're, you, I'm kind of grading relative to expectations based on the personnel. Um, so you're pl- you're playing with two backup outside linebackers at, at this point. You have you have Basham, um, and you have you know guys like Kafusi or whoever it may be. You know, defensive end, outside linebackers. I'll kind of bunch all those guys in together. We're playing with a bunch of ba- backup outside linebackers. Um, so actually, I'll, I'll do outside linebackers and, line, and, and inside linebackers. So I'll give the outside linebackers a C because they haven't impressed, but they've been doing their job enough where they haven't been abysmal. But yeah, does Bash make a bad play or Kafusi or Luvu? Yes, but. They're all guys who are third, fourth stringers. You know, maybe wouldn't be on some other teams. So they've been not great, but they haven't been terrible. So I give them a C. Inside linebackers. Um, so this is interesting because uh, Hewitt makes plays in the run game, and he stands out. And a lot of fans are. I always hear it. Oh, not well, not always hear it. But when he plays, I hear it. Oh, he's having a really good game. I think it's because he stands out on the broadcast a lot. 
But when you go, when you really tap into the all 22, um, some of his zones, like there was a, there was a uh, call last week where the Jets had an automatic switch from, uh, from two to three and three to two for, for Hewitt and another corner. Um, the corner takes the, takes the, the two who becomes the three, which is the running back, um, because he breaks into the flat, which Hewitt should have recognized that he was breaking to the flat and then looked to the, to the receiver to see what he was doing. Um, he doesn't see what he's doing. He, he takes too long. He flips his hips late. The receiver gets behind him for, for a first down and uh, easy completion. To, uh, I think it was to Edelman. Um, from Brady, which I'm not saying he has to cover Edelman in man coverage, but in that situation, he should have passed it off quicker, gained depth, and then been in front of Edelman instead of being behind, you know, five yards behind Edelman before he reacts. So he's not good in coverage. He's okay in the run game or solid in the run game. So he's kind of been average. I would give him like individually like a C, but I have to group them together because Blake Cashman for being a fifth round rookie doing what he's been doing. He's been one of the biggest positives on the team. And he's some, he's somebody that I'm kind of considering now that you look at the Jets roster going to next year, they have, you know, an average amount of cap space. Um, that's without signing Leonard Williams or whoever they're going to sign. I don't know if they're going to sign Leonard Williams. It's a big question mark at this point, but if you're looking at the roster and what they need to sign and you're going to have to dump a good amount of money into cornerback, which is a, you know, a very high position of need for a lot of teams, um, which is going to cost them a lot of money. And then offensive line, which is going to cost a lot of money to gain. Would you rather have Mosley, who was a top flight inside linebacker and, you know, Cashman, if he, if he keeps producing as he is, and then you cut Avery Williamson, you dump that eight, you know, seven, eight million dollars into more, our bigger positions of need, you know, receiver, uh, cornerback, outside linebacker, offensive line. So that's a, you know, he's been playing so well that I'm starting to consider that they might do that or think that they might do that. Um, so he gets a pretty good grade. So I guess for, the inside linebackers, I'll give them, I'll give them a B, I guess, because he was been like a C, and then you have Cashman, who's been like an A minus. Just like I said, he's, he hasn't been an A minus based on just play, but based relative to expectations of what he is being a rookie fifth round pick. Um, he's been making plays in the run game. He's solid in man coverage. He still has work to do um, as a zone defender, but I've definitely been impressed with with Cashman. He's definitely been one of the um, biggest uh, kind of thumbs up for this for this year, I guess you can say. How about the secondary, Joe? There were very low expectations heading into this season based on the fact that the cornerback tandem of Daryl Roberts and Tremaine Johnson starting the season was thought to be one of the weakest in the entire league. By the same token, Jamal Adams and Marcus May was thought to be one of the better safety tandems. Is that how you found this? Do you think the safeties have performed to expectations? And do you think the cornerbacks have performed to expectations? Of course, obviously, wildly different expectations of the safeties and the corners. Good expectations of the safeties and bad ones of the corners. Yeah, so it, this is kind of an interesting conversation with the secondary because, like, they, they've been playing bad, but they haven't – I don't know if they've been necessarily as bad as everybody thought they would be. Like, it's it's still not good, trust me. It's it's still not good. But I'm talking about, like, from complete dumpster fire to, like, just the trash can, you know? Like, it's just I, – I don't know if that's a good analogy. But they've been bad. They haven't been terrible. Um, the corners, Roberts – he has he has one good game, one bad game. The the first game he was terrible. The second game against the Browns he was he was okay, and in this game he was absolutely dreadful. So um, he's been what we expected him to be, which is a which is a fourth or fifth string guy. That's what he is. He's not he's he shouldn't be your he he could be a, a your, your number three to come in, number four to come in. Um, I should say because the slot's really the number three, your number four to come in. Um, you know, on, on a, on a bad cornerback team, like, or, or a decent cornerback team, but like for, for a really good cornerback team, he should be like the fifth or sixth. I think that's a fine spot for him, but he is what we expected pretty much. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, I'm glad he got benched after week one because he's just not fast enough to, right now. And, and, and his technique is awful too. I, I explained a, a play, um, 
on the Patriots game where it, it's just really poor in terms of his alignment and taking read steps, which I'm not going to go through now. But if you want to watch the show, that's there's my little uh, plug, which I've already plugged multiple times. But I'll t- I talked about why his technique is bad now too. It's not even just his his uh, his you know athleticism. So he's been a major disappointment because he was a guy who. Listen, he got signed for a big contract. Everybody was expecting him to be a top 15 type corner. He played like complete ass. <laughs> now fans are were hoping he could be a number two or even just be a bad number one. And he's not either. He's not a number one. He's he's not even playing number two. He played he played no snaps in the in the Browns game minus you know the five snaps at the end because Harrison got injured and he only came in the, the Patriots game when they need to go like into dime looks um, or even into nickel looks. I'm not sure because they played Roberts, him, and and Harrison. Um, and pool, yeah. So he's he's only he's only in, in dime looks, so um, he's been a massive disappointment. Uh, Roberts for relative. I, let's let's say this. I, I'm going to say Tremaine Johnson disappointment. Roberts disappointment because and not for me personally, but there was fans who were saying, oh well, he played really really well at corner last year um, when he was in there. Then he moved him to safety and screwed them all up. I think he could be a good corner. He's been ridiculously inconsistent, so he's been a, a disappointment. I think for your boy Harrison. Uh, coming in when he did, I, he he gets a plus grade. He's been confident. Um, this game he got he got beat a little bit more than he did against the Browns game. The Browns game he played very well. Uh, he got beat by Odell Beckham up the sideline. It, there's really no such thing as perfect coverage, but it was near perfect coverage. He could have done. He could have played through the ball a little bit better, or decided to play through the ball to the receiver a little bit sooner. It would have helped him out a little bit more instead of losing the ball. Um, but overall, he that was a good rep from him. Um, just wasn't a perfect rep, which needed it needed to be a perfect rep to, to take that away from you know a perfect pass and a perfect catch. Um, but he's been a plus. Um, other than that, really nobody has I guess no other really corners have have played much um, at all. You look at the secondary. Marcus May has been okay. Um, that first game against the Bills, people were really hyping him up. That one interception that was taken back uh, was a was a solid play by him. The second play. Uh, where it was a cover two look, he was at, he actually carried a guy too far across the field, uh, didn't recognize a crosser, and was actually really late to get onto it. But because Josh Allen didn't see it and had to scramble out of the pocket and then throw it, it allowed him to to recover. Um, and he got he dropped the interception, so it was actually a negative play for me. Where a lot of people, oh, you jumped the route, really good play. But if the play was on, if it was executed how it was supposed to be, and Josh Allen um, threw the ball like he was supposed to, he would have been beat for a big touchdown. So uh, Marcus May has been just okay, really nothing special in my opinion. I think he's an average type safety uh, right now in his career. I think he can re- he's, he's a replaceable type player. Um, he's, he's room to grow. This is, he hasn't played a ton of games you really look at it, but um, he's been okay. Jamal Adams, I, I think he's still been he's – been, he's been pro ball level player. Um, he, he's not making as many plays as he was last year. Like I said, this is the broadcast view versus coaches film view. He's been playing more in deep zones, cover twos, cover threes, cover fours. He's playing a little bit more off the line of scrimmage than where last year he was blitzed a lot more, run blitz, pass blitz, whatever it was uh, he was blitzing. You see some of that. You saw some of it in the Patriots game, but he's not standing out as much because he um, is playing in coverage more. And also with the Bills game, a lot of people are giving him, you know, a lot of crap. Okay, we'll step up, you know, late in the game. What happened a lot of that Bills game was they were pulling a lot of guys and specifically attacking Jamal Adams. Where listen, I love Jamal Adams. I think Jamal Adams is one of the best safeties in the NFL. But when you're talking about a guy um, in Mitch Morse who's 300 pounds and super athletic versus him in the open field, it's gonna be really hard for Jamal Adams to defeat a guy in the open field who's 70 more pounds than him. Um, defeat that guy and then make the tackle at the same time. So they were keying on him. Um, but he's, he's so he's been very very good. He, he hasn't been maybe as elite as last year, but still pretty damn close. So um, overall, I'll give the secondary a. This is all based on like I said, relative to expectations a C. 
um, maybe a C plus to be honest, because I thought, eh, maybe it's, I'll, I'll go to C because there's some guys like Jamal Adams is playing well. Marcus May has been okay. Harrison's been impressing, but Roberts and Trey and Johnson are, were the number one and two coming into this year. So how do you really grade all those guys at once? Like, I'll give them a C. They've been okay with some guys being bad, some guys being you know solid. Let's talk coaching now. You can talk about Brant Boyer if you want, but I know you're not really a special teams guy, so I'll leave that up to you. But what have you seen from the Adam Gase offense and the Greg Williams defense? We will make the caveat right off the bat, obviously, that both Gase and Williams have had to deal with significant injuries. Gase lost his quarterback, which is the biggest injury of all. There are people that have suggested that it's not fair to make too many excuses for Gase and Williams. There are some that have suggested that you should do nothing but make excuses. I've come down somewhere in the middle. Where do you fall on this? What do you grade them after the first few weeks? Do you think they get a passing grade, even keeping in mind the injuries they've had to deal with? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree somewhere with you. I'm somewhere, I'm somewhere in the middle, maybe even a little bit higher than somewhere in the middle, because like when you're really watching the film and like, especially, I know people are not going to want to watch a whole bunch of Jets right now, but I, I think if you've been hearing a lot of the stuff about Adam Gates' offense and you're super interested, um, I don't know when this show is going up, uh, but I, I put out a show already. I'm by the time you listen to this, I already put out a show of TOJ Film Room. I'm putting up a lot of plays where I'm like, oh, look, misread by Falk, this guy was open. Oh, misread by Falk, this guy was open. Oh, bad play by offensive line, this guy was open. So do I give – his offense has been, has been fine. Uh, there's been guys and, – and I know people are like gasping or just probably just choked, but in terms of getting guys open, I think it's been fine, to be completely honest. There, there's guys running open um, multiple times where they weren't hit. You know, like I said, the Bills game, if, if, if Donald connects on a couple more of those throws and he has some more time – and the, the Jets beat the Bills twenty-seven to seventeen. Donald has two, maybe maybe two touchdowns, zero picks, two hundred fifty yards. How crazy are people really going? You know, I, I I really am about the the process, not necessarily the result. Where the process of Gase's offense got got Anderson open multiple times. Donald didn't didn't hit it because he wasn't he was feeling like crap, et cetera. The offensive line, whatever it might, might have been, so. The process was good. It wasn't necessarily executed. Um, the, the flat play where I talk about the pick where the guy was open for the first down, the crowd are being open. There's a play where Griffin was open where, where Falk, Falk didn't see it. There's a play where, where Bell was motioned out as a receiver um, from, the, from the backfield, and then you had it showed man coverage. You had Ty Montgomery run a jerk route. He was open. Uh, the, it wasn't executed properly. So the offense is, is, is getting guys open, and when you see Donald back, it's go, you're going to see much more production, I, I believe. Um, hopefully with the offensive line stepping up as well. But like I said, just watch that Bills game week one and then and then watch what the Bills just did to the Patriots. It's a really, really good defense. So um, I wouldn't go crazy about that game, to be completely honest. It's it's He's played really, really good defenses um, with the Bills, who are number one or number two. The Patriots, who are number one or number two um, at this point in terms of yards. Listen, the, the last touchdown minus last week that they gave up to the Bills because the Bills were starting on the 40-yard line all the time because they were shutting down Brady, they didn't give up a touchdown to the Rams, who were in the Super Bowl. The last touchdown they gave up before that was was in to the Chiefs. So you're looking at the Patriots and you're and people are going crazy about that game. You're playing with a third string or a third string quarterback who's on the practice squad, um, with the offensive line who can't do anything, um, and you're expecting to to produce against a Super Bowl winning team who's still really really good defense. Like so, um, am I going going to knock him for for that? Kind of. Uh, do I knock you know? But I knock him more for you know for certain play calls like okay throwing you know, a bubble screen with, with two blockers versus, versus four guys. You know, if it's two versus three, you're expecting the receiver to make a play. But there was a play where he ran four versus two, which I didn't like. Um, am I going to knock him for not giving Beecham more help? Yes. Um, the offensive line, 
you have this position coaches to coach those positions. You know, like you, you can't um, expect Adam Gase to coach the offensive line. Like that's, that's Frank Pollock's job. So if Frank Pollock gets a negative on that, I don't think that's a ton of Gase, but there are certain plays where I give him not a ton of credit, but I think you have to look to it relative to the situation. What he's dealing with that quarterback, what he's dealing with the offensive line and the defenses he's facing. It's not like he's playing. Like I, I have a lot of giants fans. I talk crap, but you're playing like the Buccaneers and the Bengals and like all these teams. He's playing some of the top defense in the NFL. Um, the, the, the Browns have been a little bit disappointed just because of their numbers and ter- because of the Titans game, which is, might be a little bit of an anomaly for them. Um, but they still have guys like Miles Garrett and Vernon and o- Ogun Joby, and they have Sheldon Richardson. You know, they have a good talent on that team, so they just had better talent than the Jets. So I'm not going to give him, you know, a complete mulligan, um, but I'm not going to kill him either, to be completely honest. And then uh, with, with Greg Williams, he is what I expect him to be, to be completely honest. I, I think for the Bills game, he did pretty well, you know, given his roster in the secondary. Um, the Browns game, minus a, a, a play where I didn't really get the defensive formation, so I didn't like that play. There was just not a, enough guys out there, whether it be zone or man, um, to, to defend whatever the the, the, uh, the Browns were going to do in that long Odell Beckham play. So I give him a big knock for that. But um, And he gets a knock for, I think he shows his shell too much where you wanted to, you know, your shell should not always be your defense. You're dropping into, I'm talking about your shell, like what the quarterback's seeing pre-snap. Um, he shows it's Tampa two a lot. He shows it's cover three a lot. He shows it's cover one a lot. But I knew that about him before coming into the year. So it's not like a crazy knock. Um, but I think rel- like he's been okay in terms of, you know, the Bills game, uh, the, uh, the Browns game, and then the Patriots game, they got shredded. But after they got shredded, they, they started to play a little bit better. Um, and I think you have to look at what he's doing with a cornerback where, you know, he's dealing with one of the worst groups in the NFL. So um, it's hard. It's hard with like, you look at the Jets offense last year, they got, or this year they got like, or this last game they got like, they're like, oh, for 12 and 130 yards. And then say the coaches are doing well, but I'm, I'm going to give them like a C plus. Like it, I, I think you have to look at what they're dealing with at this point. So Joe, I say this sincerely. I really hope after Sunday, we have more positive film to talk about because it's sad. I can hear it in your voice that you're mentally beaten down, and I want you to be happy, Joe. I just want a smile on Joe Blewett's face. That's all I'm asking for from the Jets this Sunday. At least give us some watchable football so that when Joe goes and grinds down with the film, he doesn't have to be depressed for the three hours that he's doing it. But Joe, that said, appreciate you coming on and giving these grades. Most of these guys did not get good grades, and I'm hoping that that changes over the next 13 weeks of the season. Really, if it doesn't, we're going to see a lot of movement on this roster and perhaps even with the coaching staff in front office. But that's a discussion for another time. Joe, thanks so much for coming on. For everybody that wants to watch your full film breakdowns, and I know that it's depressing in a sense because of how bad the Jets have played, but if you really want to learn about the players on this team and who's going to be long-term answers and who's not going to be long-term answers, you definitely want to watch the full film reviews on our YouTube channel. So, Joe, how can they do that, and what can they expect to see when they look at your Patriots review? Yeah, um, a smile would be nice. I just I just need like a <laughs> nice like Quentin Williams like two-sack game. Uh, it's like That and like a touchdown. Like Give me like a Le'Veon Bell touchdown and – Maybe like for my fantasy team, like a Crowder touchdown, like a Quinn Williams sack or two, like that'd be really nice. I don't think they're going to win this game because I really doubt that Donald's going to play based on everything I'm hearing right now. Um, I think it'd be much foolish to play him at this point. Just just wait it out another week. It's not let's not risk our long term future of the quarterback because you want to play him. Um, you know, week four or week five of a season that's already kind of you know dim as it is um, in terms of the playoffs. So 
Yes, give me a few plays at least to watch because, like, like you said, to, to watch hours and hours of film and, you know, have to wait till the fiancé goes to bed to watch a couple extra hours to be able to record it and put it up, is it's hard to do when the Jets are playing as they are, which is kind of expected with what they're given. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be nice. A smile would be nice. Um, with, the, with the film, I did both the Browns game and the Patriots game in the same show because, like I said, I was, I was kind of MIA, so I owed everybody at least, you know, a review of, of everything that they've missed. Um, and it's it, if you watch, it's terrible. It's terrible. But I also with the things I'm talking about with guys being open, um, and Falk not hitting them, and some of the designs that aren't that bad. I think it it's going to be bad. But I think you'll actually come away a little bit more positive on what's happening in terms of the coaching because the players are going to be replaced. Um, it's it's the pro, it's the big problem right now as a coach. Like, okay, well, if he's going to be here the next couple of years, and he's he's crap play caller. Um, we're we're kind of we're doomed. But I think watching what I put up you'll see it's, it's not as bad as people think it is with just the coaching. So um, that's what you can expect. Uh, it's TOJ space film space room on, uh, on iTunes and on YouTube, you type in turn on the jets film room and, and you'll find a little green logo. Um, and like I said, it's watchable. It's not just me talking about film. I go through the film as I'm explaining it. So you really see what I'm talking about. So uh, it might be depressing, but I think, I think it's actually worth the watch if you're really that low on what Adam Gates is right now. And Joe, that is what we call a silver lining. Let's hope that Adam Gase, Greg Williams, and the players on the Jets start to turn things around on Sunday. In the meantime, though, follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. Watch his full film reviews over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.